point start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And welcome to episode 112 of this podcast for the new evangelization and the standard mantra at the beginning. I could probably, I, I hope I don't say this in my sleep. I'll have to ask my wife. But if you have any topics for uh, ignition that you'd like us to discuss or any feedback or questions about anything we have discussed, please feel free to email me at cbergwald at sfcatholic.org, C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Org. Father, how's the weather in Brookings, South Dakota? Lustery. Yeah, same here. It's raining right now. It's blowing. It's it's fall. It's fall. We're not really getting any rain. We had some, like, I wasn't sure if it was rain or maybe if, like, someone really sweaty was standing upwind. That didn't last very long. <laughs> well, thankfully, if it was somebody sweaty. It, it didn't, didn't last, last very long. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking about sweat, let's talk. no. <laughs> Talk about forced transitions that don't work at all. Uh, Father and I are going to talk about sweat. Oh, don't sweat that. Don't sweat it. Um, instead, we want to look back about a week and a half to Sunday, October, October 7th. 7th. Which um, uh, on, on Sunday the 7th, Pope Benedict had a mass, celebrated mass at St. Peter's for the opening of the Synod of Bishops on the New Evangelization. Um, for, or the longer title, the Synod of Bishops on the New Evangelization for the Transmission of the Christian Faith. And uh, a number of things happened at that mass. Um, apart from opening the Synod, um, Pope Benedict also declared two saints doctors of the church. So doctors number 34 and 35, St. Hildegard of Bingen and St. John of Avila were declared doctors of the church. Um, Father and I are going to focus on, on that so much as some other some aspects of the Holy Father's homily, but I thought it's worth noting there's only been 30, well, there are only 35 doctors of the church. So whenever there are new ones proclaimed, Father, it's uh, it's worth taking note and maybe looking a little bit at, uh, at the, those saints and their lives and their teachings, yeah? Yes. yes. But good. we're not going to do that today. <laughs> or as a source for names. Uh, y- yes, Hildegard. We, uh, Father and I... Um, we were at a, a, a meeting together the other day, and, and one of his priest brothers has a dog named Hildegard. And I think most of us thought, oh, say Hildegard of Bingen, new doctor. I'm not sure if I... Well, I did. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, but again, uh, we're not going to talk about the new doctors today. Instead, we're going to look at, um, uh, as I said earlier, uh, some of the, the teachings the Holy Father gave in his homily. You may recall, or <laughs> probably... Not, I don't think I would have. Um, the the one of the themes from the the readings, the scripture readings at that mass, um, were marriage. And in in the gospel, Jesus presented his teaching on marriage, specifically its indissolubility. Um, and Father, if I recall correctly, the first reading also touched on marriage. Did it? Didn't it? Do you remember? Oh, you asked me Ooh. about scriptures? Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. It did, go. I know. Bible man. Um, mm. So, and then, and then the second reading was from Hebrews. Um, but, but the first reading from Genesis and the gospel reading 
uh, both had the theme of, of marriage and father. I know that that um, given this whole context that struck you, the Holy Father's discussion of marriage uh, in the context of the beginning of the sin of the new evangelization struck you in a particular way. So you want to you want to talk about what he said and why it struck you? It struck me upside the head. Booyah! Ugh, that was so 2003. <laughs> Which, by the way, is nine years ago now, so it's not a joke. Any, any, what is it? What is the saying that you say all the time? Anything? Uh, there's nothing so quickly out of out date, of date as, the as the up to date. There we go. Booyah! <laughs> so Pope Benedict very quickly in his homily, uh, or about maybe the second half of his homily, goes into this notion of, of marriage, and uh, he's not just talking about marriage for its own sake. He's going to talk about marriage in the context of this synod on, uh, uh, how do you call it? The new evangelization and the transmission for, for the new evangelization for the transmission of the Christian faith. There we go. The new, new evangelization for transmissions. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. So new evangelization <laughs> for only 49 95. Evangelize your transmission. Manuals are only $39.95. He talks about marriage in this context of evangelization. It's really quite beautiful. I want to read what kind of caught my attention here. Uh, It seems to me that it, marriage, and the discussion of marriage, invites us to be more aware of a reality already well-known but not fully appreciated, that matrimony is a gospel in itself, a good news for the world of today, especially the de-Christianized world. So this idea that marriage is a gospel in itself, that the union man and wife can proclaim the good news of God in this way, uh, especially to those who maybe become calloused uh, or even uh, we've talked about sometimes about being inoculated against the gospel. Oh, Jesus, I've heard that already. I've seen all that. There's nothing new under the sun, says Koheleth. Um, And so there's a... He, he wants to, to awaken our ideas here that in marriage, and especially for married couples to be awakened to this truth, that there is a great power uh, to the location of marriage for the sake of evangelizing. Hmm. And so, uh, Dr. Bergwald, do you think about your marriage in that light? Nope. Never ask a yes or no question on air. <laughs> Oh, oh, you already go on. I want to know, so hearing that phrase, that um, that the matrimony is a gospel itself, especially for the de-Christianized world, what sort of reaction does that bring from you when you think about your own marriage? I, I think um, that it's uh, in – how do I articulate this? It reminds me of what my wife and I are called to be. Um, to one another and to be together. And so that it's um, a a gentle, gentle reminder or or, uh, a a calling. I I guess to me, it's a calling, a reminding me to, to live my marriage to my wife in a way that reflects this reality. Uh, So it's first. So I recognize I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not there right now. We're not there right now. Uh, But, but this is uh, a reminder. This is, a very inviting proposal about this is what you're called to be, what you're called to live. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Uh, that's a calling forth in that way. And I think that's uh, maybe what, uh, for our married listeners, they should consider this. This is that the Pope is calling you out in that sense, calling you forth 
not calling you out like, hey, look at you, right. you're dumb. But exactly. calling you forward saying, hey, look what you could do. Look what's available right here, you know, right in front of you when you bemoan the state of the world today. So it goes on a little bit with this idea to describe how this is then a, a, a good news for the world, especially the de-Christianized world. Uh, the union of a man and woman, he says, their becoming one flesh in charity in fruitful and indissoluble love is a sign that speaks of God with a, a force and an eloquence, which nowadays has become greater, unfortunately, for various reasons. Okay, So this whole idea of this bond of love uh, speaking uh, in this way, speaking of God. Uh, now, I, Dr. Bergwald, I think you're being maybe too modest or maybe falsely humble. <laughs> well, now, there's a calling out right there. Yeah. Well, because, you know, you say, I don't think we're there yet. But I think because you are committed to any couple that's committed to living this in charity, not, you know, you're not doing it perfectly, but our Lord uh, uh, will provide that perfection for us. We trust, we hope, we believe. But that if you're trying to live that in charity, you're trying to live that authentic witness of married love uh, to each other, you're trying to authentically love each other, it will give, the, it will speak with a force. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, yeah, I, I, go ahead. But, no. As, I, I think you're right. It's just what, when I read those words of the Holy Father, I, I, I tend to focus more on the, um, the imperfections uh in the in, in our marriage which which um block or are obstacles to to the full flowering of what the holy father's talking about mm -hmm. so. uh and i would speak to you the words of romans chapter 12 do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil through works of good and so keep striving for those good and holy things for any of our listeners who might react in that same way yep. you know not to be just simply discouraged that way but rather to take courage uh, in Jesus Christ. This is one of the things I love to try and emphasize actually in weddings, you know, that uh, it's, it's part of the public, public spectacle of weddings. Are we going to a wedding really because we like flat, tasteless chicken? Uh, are we going to a wedding really because we want to dance the YMCA for the 832nd time? You know, why are we going to a wedding? I think deep down inside of the human person, we want to see and we want to hope that there is such a radical committed love, okay, an unbreakable bond of love, indissoluble, he uses, and love that's fruitful, right? We don't see enough fruit in our own life of our own efforts, right? Uh, that's why I think there's so many crises of faith and of life amongst people who have jobs where they don't see tangible fruit mm -hmm. on a daily basis, right? Mm -hmm. Um but I think like when we go to weddings or we, when we're happy about weddings, you know, hopefully we're not, we're certainly happy because, you know, oh, well, hopefully they're going to have a happy marriage, right? But hopefully, but I think also there should be a real happiness inside us over desiring what we can see witnessed and spoken to us by their actions. Hmm. He goes on then. Um, so about... Uh, saying that right now in the West, the oldest regions evangelized, he calls them. So especially Europe, okay, but also this way the United States, the oldest regions evangelized are experiencing a profound crisis, not just of faith, but also of marriage. He goes on, marriage is a union of faithful and indissoluble love is based upon the grace that comes from the triune God. Okay, so marriage is directly connected with faith, not generally, 
Well, I guess we'll maybe have it here, but marriage is dependent upon faith, dependent upon grace, dependent on the gifts that God gives us. Um, and we need to be we need to be grounded and mindful of that reality going forward. And if we're not mindful of that, of that reality, not only does marriage suffer, but our faith suffers. Um, so it goes on a little bit and says that there's a clear link between the crisis in faith and the crisis in marriage. And as the church has said and witnessed for a long time, now I think you'd be referring back to probably Casti Canubi under, was that uh, Pius, Pope Pius XII? 11th. Pope Pius XI, his document mm -hmm. on marriage, Casti Canubi, on uh, chaste spouses. Um, church with it for some time for a long time now. Marriage is called to be not only an object but a subject of the new evangelization. The uh, in the little the, the last part what you were reading there, the thing that struck me more when I reread re this just a bit ago, um, that statement. There's a clear link between the crisis in faith and the crisis in marriage, and you were just speaking of this a, a bit earlier as well. Um, that's a linkage that I think at, maybe at, at, at first glance that might, huh? I mean, some people might, well, what do you mean? But, but that's, the re, that's, a, that's definitely a reality, a human reality, um, because in both of them you're talking about fidelity. That is faith. Mm -hmm. Well, also, you're, but, but also not, not just in the subjective sense of the subjective individual, but in the objective sense of who you believe in. Okay, how many married couples are aware and attentive to the living presence of Jesus Christ who is pouring himself out for the success and the fruitfulness and the fidelity of their marriage? And how many married couples lose faith in that? Lose faith in the fact that God wants them to have a successful marriage, right? And start small, of course, right? Well, all crises start in a small way. It's not all of a sudden you wake up one day and, oh, I, I can't be married to this, sh this schlub anymore, okay, this slob, this inconsiderate jerk, okay. Um, I can't be married to her anymore. She's too much of a nagger. This goes back, 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 back to all those little small fights, all those little small instances where you did not have the eyes of faith and you didn't look for how God might be laboring to work to love you, to bring solutions, to bring healings in the midst of your marriage. Does that make some sense? It does. Yeah, I, the, Fulton Sheen um, had a book three, to, uh, wrote a book three to get married, um, and you know, obviously that. I think again, you know, there's there's another line the Holy Father at the very beginning of the, the this excerpt that you started with. He said, "It seems to me that it invites us to be more aware of a reality already well known." But not fully appreciated. So I think of that in this context too. Uh, to to a man and woman uh, come to get married, they get married, they got the church, and even the most you know cultural Catholic who's getting married at the Catholic Church, no matter how how little they practice their faith, they might recognize. All right, so you know God has a role to play in this. Blah 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 blah. They know it, but it's not fully appreciated. Um, the, the fact that it takes it really does take three to get married, three to stay married. Um, is, is definitely a reality that people know but do not fully appreciate. Very much so, yeah. And uh, yeah, three to get married and three to stay married, three to yeah. live married, three to sur three to thrive in marriage. Yep. And that's exactly. a, three to thrive. You know, and that's that's again sort of a been a. I mean, 
that idea of, of always seeking to grow and deepen uh, the marital bond has been something that, that calls has called me on. Um, we've been married for 13 years now, and um, you know certainly there are times when you can start to coast. In any relationship, you can start to coast. And, uh, but a relationship, any relationship, will only grow with effort. Um, it takes work. Uh, our relationship with God in prayer, prayer takes work. Um, and so uh, the, the, uh, a marriage, of course, it's a cliche, it takes work, but it does. Um, and, and so that's just, you know, three to, as you said, three to strive in marriage. Um, I need continually to depend on God, ask God for the grace to be the husband and to be the father that he calls me to be. Um, over the last couple of few, a couple of few months, Father, I, I've been more and more when I've prayed the second luminous mystery. Um, I thought about the second luminous ministry, the second luminous mystery, um, Jesus present at the wedding feast at Cana, and oftentimes in the past when I meditate on that mystery, think about the wedding feast at Cana. What I've been trying to do more late, lately, more is appropriate that to recognize that Jesus is present not just at the that the, in the marriage of that couple in Cana two thousand years ago, He's present in my marriage as well. And again, that's something that I know, but I don't always. I don't fully appreciated and so trying to be aware particularly meditating that 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 um, mystery and then applying that throughout my life hopefully um, looking for recognizing Jesus's presence in my marriage in and through my wife you're 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 right that's it that calling you forward in that way I, as you said that I'm thinking of uh, there's a phrase it's it's a move from the 1990s, getting even older than Booyah. Um, uh, I believe it's called As Good As It Gets, and it was Jack Nicholson, Helen Hunt. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Greg Kinnear. But yep. uh, you know, there's a Jack Nicholson line where he says to Helen Hunt's character, you make me want to be a better man. Yeah. Right? Now, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You make me want to be a better man. And... Which is interesting because I think that's where you see that natural evangelical possibility of marriage. Because, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. of course, Christianity isn't just about absence from sin, freedom from sin, a one-time altar call or one-time baptism. Uh, what Jesus desires for you and I and everyone is to be the very best version of yourself that you can be, to uh, quote Matthew Kelly, the Catholic author and evangelist. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And so, so what I'm saying to you is watch as good as it gets. <laughs> you make me want to be a better man. <laughs> I don't know if that's quite the, quite the way he said it. But. Oh, yeah, it was. I remember that line distinctly. Trust um, me. Distinctly. 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 Sounds like there's going to be a Jack, Netflix challenge here. It's Jack Nicholson. I mean, how, he, doesn't, he doesn't just say things, you know, normally. Ever anything? Anyways. Anyway. So what else from this homily? That's kind of me on marriage. The other well, things so you want to highlight. Just yeah, sure. Just beyond where you stopped, uh, or maybe you did mention it, but but I want to focus on it again. Um, the church has said it is for a long time now. Marriage is called to be not only an object of the new evangelization, so a focus of the new evangelization, but also a subject of the new evangelization, and not. You know, not subject to like uh, the subject matter, but subject in the sense of the the agent being an agent of the new evangelization. So, so man and wife, husband and wife, 
couples and with them their, their children are called to be agents of the new evangelization uh, in, in, a, in a powerful way. Father, I was just sharing with Father like in this meeting I mentioned, um, the, the percentage of lay people in the church is a is 99.84%. Uh, 99.88% of the church consists of lay people. And so the, the, the more that, that, and most of them, not all of them obviously, but most of them are married. Um, so obviously to the degree to which married couples seek to respond to the call of the new evangelization, it's going to be that much more effective. Um, we, we can't just rely upon you, the ordained and religious, to carry the ball. Um, maybe we have too prone. much in the past. What's that? We're fumble prone. Fumble prone. Well, we, we drop the ball from time to time, as the Holy Father is saying right here as well. But, but we need to help carry the ball uh, with you. Um, and, and that's what we can do in a, in a particular way. The, the, the apostle of the laity is, as um, the church has always taught, but particularly Vatican II uh, and, and John Paul II and Benedict then as well, talking about the, the, the particular role of the laity. And um, John Paul II wrote that, you know, so we're looking, we're talking about a synod of bishops here. There was the synod in the late 70s on marriage and family. And John Paul II wrote his post-synodal apostolic exhortation, um, Familiaris Consortio. Um, on f family in the modern world. And they're talking about what the family, not just the problems with the family, um, like Benedict, he refers to them, and but also like Benedict, he points out the great good and the fruit, the Christian holiness that can come from a family that seeks to grow in that same holiness. So that's so that's an aspect there, just at the end uh, of, the, of that excerpt from the Holy Father's homily that struck me as well, how it, Go ahead. Maybe another thing to think about um, with that is his whole choosing the name Benedict now, when he became Pope. Uh, is that, um, and this tie in with marriage and family that you're making here at the end, um, that he wasn't just, he was, of course, referencing Benedict XV, uh, but also uh, uh, St. Benedict of Nursa, the uh, founder of Western monasticism. And that it was in the the monasteries of the West for and the men and the women, where in many ways Christianity and culture was preserved mm -hmm. during the uh, tumults of the collapse of the Western Empire. Yep. And I remember hearing someone around the time of Pope Benedict's election saying that one of the things that they surmised or guessed that Pope Benedict wanted was to encourage families to be that new monastery in a sense that new place that is a school of love and prayer and that can witness forth to the goodness of the gospel um, in a way that will continue it on in the midst of a world in strife and trouble. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I know there's a, uh, he, he used a, a really evocative phrase um, along these lines, talking about how the monasteries in the medieval period, as you were saying, at the end of the collapse of the Western Roman Empire and, and then the centuries following, that monasteries functioned as islands of spiritual concentration mm. uh, in, in the midst of the chaos and the collapse that was going on around them. Uh, and that, as you were just saying, that today individuals, families, and so on are called to be, again, those islands of spiritual concentration, to be those, in a sense, monasteries, um, uh, places of refuge, but not just places of refuge. It's not just, um, you know, 
building up the, the walls to protect us, but also the, those monasteries from which the gospel um, reconquers the lands around. So maybe initially, maybe initially the monastery became, becomes a place of refuge, but, but after a time, um, after maybe a period of formation, um, the, 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 the people within the monastery can sully forth um, and advance on the offensive to reclaim the lands for Christ. Exactly, which is should fill us with great hope. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think um, th that that definitely is an aspect of of the Holy Father's homily that uh, that, that that struck me as well. I, again, he, he as I mentioned at the beginning, he talks a little bit about the synod that's beginning and uh, and then it's centered on on the new evangelization being centered on Christ. Talks a little bit about at the end. Um, about the doctors of the church, but this this big chunk in the middle, uh, drawing this connection as you pointed out to be, to begin with, between uh, the new evangelization and marriage is is is, pretty, is quite powerful. So thanks thanks for um, highlighting it. You're very welcome. So, all right. Well, I think we will uh, draw things to a close. Father, uh, good luck this weekend. What do you what do you do? You want to share what you're doing again? You've mentioned it before. Uh, I haven't mentioned on this podcast, I'm uh, going to be running a marathon uh, down in St. Louis uh, with my brother and a friend of my brother's, uh, and we're running with a group that raises money for uh, pro-life uh, causes, and so we're just kind of excited to be a part of that. Great. And I do want to mention, we, we hinted at this last time, but I, I got to go ahead. It is, it is in fact, public information. Uh, the context of this new evangelization, again, we're in the year of faith, of course, and something here in the Diocese of Sioux Falls that I'm very excited about. We are going to be um, holding a conference at the end of next October, near the end of the year of faith. So the end of October of 2013, the last weekend, Friday and Saturday, a conference on the new evangelization. And I'm really excited because, uh, Father, we're going to have um, Curtis Martin, who is the founder and president of Focus, uh, which you know well, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Curtis is going to be the keynote speaker. Uh, it's going to be a two-day event, uh, first day for priests and parish staff, and then Friday evening and Saturday for um, for the general laity, and I'm really excited about this. So, very exciting news. Yep. So but that's just over a year away, but uh, we'll we'll be talking about it more in the future. But I just wanted to mention it. Um, you heard it here first. That's right. Is this the first okay. public proclamation of it? I think it is the first public proclamation. I think you are correct. Over new media. Woo! Woo! All right, and with that, we will wrap up episode 112 ignition. God bless, and have a great week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ignition. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future topics, you can email me at cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. That's C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Again, thanks for listening.